Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hello and welcome to the Squid Rugby World Cup Retrospective, the rugby podcast that will probably get to talk about this game in less time than it took Richie McCaw to score two tries. I am Rob your Squid or whatever you want to call me. I am joined as ever by Mr. Will Owen. How are you doing? I'm all right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, to be honest, going by a previous track record on this podcast, I imagine it will take us more than 80 minutes to get into this podcast, <laughs> but I like the opening gambit anyway. I don't know. And we are joined, though, by a man who usually gets right into the rugby from two cents rugby mark how are you doing it's good to finally talk properly yeah man going good going good yeah i do like me a wee bit of rugby so uh, i'm <laughs> pleased to be here guys appreciate the invitation um don't usually turn down too many invitations to talk a wee bit of rugby despite the fact that it's 2007 which doesn't bring back the fondest uh, <laughs> of memories still um this one was a pretty good game anyway at least from an all blacks point of view yeah, this one starts far easier. This is far easier than the game that people think of. Wayne Barnes is the ref, though, which is interesting. Yeah. Like, if Good you bit tell foreshadowing. an All Blacks fan, like, hey, do you want to go back and watch a, a match from 2007 where Wayne Barnes was refereeing the All Blacks? This is not the one you think of, is it? And he still looks middle-aged, even in that game when yeah. he was, like, 28 years old. It's unbelievable. There's a slight, like, his hair hasn't started to recede as much yet which yeah. hasn't gone that much. Like, his hair's holding on really well. But other than yeah. that, it's exactly he looks exactly the same. He's barely aged. Yeah. And, like, he yeah, talks it's... the same and everything. He does his, like, insane calm thing that he does. Very like, school mastery vibe. Yeah, that's the one. That's the one. He, I love Wayne Barnes. I'm sorry to say this uh, in the presence of a Kiwi talking about 2007, but I love the guy. No, that's a funny one, actually. I think he's, like, an interesting kind of redemption story. Like, we live in mm-hmm. a time now where, you know, the referees and Barnes in particular recently was under under the pump a lot for, um, you know, for copping flack. And that, mm-hmm. at least in my memory, that really kicked off in 2007, like, after that New Zealand-France yeah, game. Yeah. Like, the amount of abuse, like, there were Facebook groups, like, oh, I want to kill Wayne Barnes and all this kind of stuff. But I think now New Zealand fans don't really have a problem with him. Like he's one guy mm. that if you said Wayne Barnes is going to be the ref, like my mum is like the stereotypical New Zealand <laughs> fan, like watches the All Blacks, watches the Blues and doesn't really watch much other rugby. Mm. Like well, she doesn't have a problem with Wayne. So yeah, he's um, he's come right. Yes. Th- that is the, the true sign of when you've made it as a referee, when you get the approval of the two cents mother. <laughs> yeah, basically. It's not easy. Trust me. She's, uh, <laughs> I can she, imagine. She's probably the most one-eyed, actually, in my family. Ah, a stern judge of character, eh? It's often yeah, the way, isn't it? Yeah. It's so mums. often the way it's the mums are more biased mm. than you'd ever expect. Yeah, I'm not sure if just because she doesn't really watch many other teams. She, like, she only watches her team. But mm. um, yeah, she's uh, she's. Uh, I mean, she's like that in life, actually. Generally, she's a pretty hard woman to get 
approval of. I haven't sh- I haven't showed her any of your guys' videos. I'm not sure if she would approve or not, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, that's fair enough. Probably We've keep them away. Not yet had her on the list of people to get on the podcast, but maybe right. future series She's we might just see behind get Paul Williams' mum. You know, yes. we'll, we'll right, work through right. the mums. I did uh, show I did show Dad some of your videos. Oh really? Um, oh wow! But he's in. The, the, that would have been a, probably around the last World Cup. Uh, mm-hmm. But he's. I think you're a bit. I would have had to maybe. I should have. In hindsight, I should have switched the video to like you know. 0.75 or 0.5 to to allow him to keep up. I'm not he's slow. It's just he's in his seventies. You know, his hearing's yeah, not what yeah. it used to be. So, um, yeah, didn't, he, he's more a fan of um, actually Gareth Mason, who we were just talking yes. about. Oh, mm. Yeah, like he was like he would always talk to me about like, have to do you watch Gareth Mason? Like, yes, Dad. Yes, Dad. I watch um, Gareth Mason. Like, you, you know, your own son makes YouTube videos. I don't care about that. Like, do you watch? Gareth <laughs> Mason? Tell, me, tell me about Gareth Mason. So. I still watch Gareth's videos, like to this day, yeah. and learn loads from them. We we just kind of eulogised about how amazing the, this stuff is off air. The incredible um, sense of warmth and company you got from watching Gareth's videos, yeah. and only time the Springbox won, I would refresh his page over and over, waiting to see, yeah, just to see what his reaction was. Talk be. about it was the it best and... thing about the Springboks being successful. Uh, yes. that, that yeah. period of like them winning the World Cup and then winning that Lions yeah. series and so on. Like the best yeah. thing about that was seeing Gareth's kind of joy around it. It was so infectious. Yeah, it was actually my kind of standard response for a while when I used to get a little bit of stick in the comments. People would hmm. say, geez, you're a bit boring, aren't you, you bastard? And then I would just say, you, if you think this is not your cup of tea, maybe check out this guy. Like this guy is anything <laughs> but boring. Like he's just going to give you kind of passion on a plate. So um, yeah, nah, great guy. So how did you get started? How did you start with making YouTube videos? At what point did it kind of click that might be an idea? It's a weird one because I kind of ripped the idea off actually. Oh, um, I, I had my first child, my son, mm. and my employer at the time was kind enough to give me, I forget how many, I think it was eight weeks leave. Oh, wow. So I had eight weeks at home with a very small child and I was like six weeks old or whatever it was at the time. And I was like, what do you want to do, dude? And he didn't really say much. So he just slept most <laughs> of the time. So I was watching, I was watching a lot of daytime television and the way time zones tend to work is the old, the NHL is mm. peak time, the ice hockey. So oh. I was just sitting there instead of watching Days of Our Lives, I was watching ice hockey. But in New Zealand, there's no coverage whatsoever about anything ice hockey in the mainstream media. So I was like right. looking for content on YouTube. And there was this dude with a whiteboard and a shitload of hockey jerseys talking about hockey every day. And from that guy, I started to learn, okay, this team hates this team. This guy's yeah. a star player. This guy's a guy going for some goals record. He's a few years from retirement. This guy's getting traded. And just by kind of osmosis, like you just guy got into the sport. And after a while I was like, I could do that. <laughs> so um, I already had a few rugby jerseys, rugby hats. I was like, I can buy a whiteboard. I said to my wife, I'm going to get a whiteboard. I'm going to buy a Sharks rugby jersey. Let's fucking go. And, um, As overheads, yeah. those are pretty solid. Yeah. I, said, yeah. I had to sell it to her. Like, look, if it, if it goes to shit, the whiteboard, the kids can play with it. And yeah, yeah. If I've got a Sharks jersey, like I can wear it as a t-shirt. Like, sure, there's not yeah. really much risk here. She I decided came, that eventually she was like, okay. I decided that because you're our guest, I actually came in my own rugby jersey from my own local oh, club, knowing that you're nice. a big appreciator of rugby jerseys. See if you like <laughs> it. I do like a rugby jersey? Yeah, yeah that's good. Just have a look at it. There it is. Oh, what's on that? Mighty Blues for that's, our viewers that's at home. Our, um... What is the the emblem? It's a oh, it's like a knight. 
Yeah, yeah, like yeah. The, like yeah. the old the heraldry kind of thing. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. I did have a, like a little route through my um, stash of rugby jerseys. Like, oh, which ones are you going to yeah. like the most? And I was like, no, we've yeah. seen all of these other than this one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, I went for the most obscure one that I could possibly find. So, nice, I appreciate um, that. Yeah, yeah. I did have a little bit of a gamble on like, oh, which which t-shirts are you going to turn up in? But <laughs> not a rugby jersey this time. It's uh, We've caught you on the one day of the week where you don't wear a yeah, rugby yeah, jersey, yeah. clearly. That's true. That's true. They're all, they're all just over there. That's it. I've seen, I'm realizing now, I've seen many hours of you, you know, talking and so on. I've never seen you not in a rugby jersey before. No. Yeah. How many? I, yeah. I, I, oh, how many? Jesus Christ. Um, Is that a stupid <laughs> question that you must get asked that all the time? more than a hundred. I don't know. Wow. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, wow. It's, it's, okay. a, it's a lot. That's a lot. Um, That's some stash. Yeah, Do you have if one your house goes down in flames, I'm, I'm in big trouble. Um, <laughs> one that I'm like kind of the most, like the one I like, in terms of like the fact that it looks really nice, it's got mm. great fabric. It's a Hawares jersey from like oh, 20, oh wow, like twenty eighteen. Like I had to buy it from like the UAR, like the official mm. Argentinian Rugby Union rugby store back in Buenos Aires, which has since closed due to COVID. Wow. But like Argentinian gear was really hard to find. Like most yeah, stores yeah. don't stock them, so you couldn't just buy them. So I had to get it shipped from Argentina. Like it cost me more than I care to admit. <laughs> Thank it God it's your favorite subscriber. It was my hundred subscriber celebration. I was oh like, Fuck yeah. Hundred <laughs> subscribers. Let's let like this dole out some cash. So, um, yeah, no, nah, that was a, it's a, it's a really nice Jersey. It's, it just feels yeah. like a million bucks. Didn't cost yeah, yeah. much, but yeah. <laughs> See, I've, that's one I've always eyed up. I've always wanted that Haguara's Jersey, but as you said, they were impossible to get. They cost yeah. a absolute bomb to ship over. So yeah, yeah, and it's the one jersey like the, the Argentinian one is the other one that people often ask, "Hey, where do I buy this jersey?" And mm. it's just like I don't think you can search it like, and maybe in the World Cup they'll pop up, but you need to be searching in Spanish. Yeah, and try to get it from a Spanish supplier because just they just don't sell. It's a, yeah, it sucks. Yeah, there's a rugby shop in Cardiff that had within him very briefly. They had about three in once. And I remember wow. buying one there and being so delighted with my... Glad you got it. Yeah. It's a limited edition yeah, purchase. Yeah, New Zealand stores used to stock a lot more international teams. Like you mm. down on Queen Street, which is kind of our main road in Auckland City, like there was mm. one store where you could pretty much get, like certainly all the New Zealand teams, you could get Australian teams mm. and a few sprinkle, sprinkling of kind of international teams. But no, they don't. They seem to be pretty much only doing That's New Zealand here now, which kind of sucks. Yeah. yeah. I guess that's just what their market is. So. You've yeah. bought them all, clearly. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's what it is. Yeah. There's a yeah. rugby shop, a shop called Rugby Heaven in Swansea. I've bought so many jerseys from them. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're a great well, shop. Yeah, and it's um, they've got like a branch in Cardiff and a branch in Swansea. Uh, What's they might the have actual others. branch like? Because I've, I've never been in. I've only done oh, an online deal. Yeah, they're incredible things. Just walking around and seeing actual rugby jerseys everywhere. It's very yeah. exciting. I was amazed how the Swansea one is basically like they have plenty of Ospreys jerseys, you know, because that's the kind yeah. of local team. But then like there are more Super Rugby jerseys than jerseys from the other Welsh sides. And wow. I don't know if that's a local rivalry thing or it is just there's a big, I think, in the UK, like Super Rugby hipsterism of people loving yes. the right, Super Rugby teams. Right. And yeah. a lot okay. of people like turning up to training and like Chiefs gear or Crusaders yeah. gear. Right. Or whatever. People who make a point of watching Super Rugby and it being their favourite league. Like, yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Oh. That's a thing over here. Like I remember seeing a thing like is several years ago of people like tweeting about the fact they'd booked work off for the first day of Super Rugby so they could right? watch it first thing in the morning. Yeah. Wow. 
And it's sort we of... absolutely do not have that with like the Heineken Cup or URC. <laughs> no. Like no. that is not a thing whatsoever. If I said to someone, I'm going to go home and watch some Heineken Cup, they'd be like, what? You're going to buy some Heineken? Like they wouldn't, <laughs> they wouldn't have a fucking clue, sadly, as, um, yeah. as it is. But yeah. It's funny, and, Robbie, yeah. that a minute ago you brought up Rugby Heaven. So mm. do you want to go to Rugby Heaven? Let's, uh, let's go, go back, back to 2007. 2007. So, Mark, I'd, I'd love to know your kind of memories of this All Blacks team. What's your kind of relationship with the 2007-ish era All Blacks? Are there any kind of like, it's kind of a stupid question, but favourite players or anything that really stands out of this era? Yeah, I mean, well, 2007 essentially boils down to that that game where we lost. Like, everything else kind of just gets lost in the wash. And obviously, expectations were pretty high. It was another one of those ones where surely we can't not win it this time. <laughs> Jesus, like it's been since 1987, for God's sake. We, we've got to get it done this time. And there were some really good players in that team. Like, I had a look at the team sheet when mm. I started watching the game. I mean, Woodcock, Mia Heyman, pretty good front row. Jack and Williams. I mean, Collins, McCaw, Sobiolo, like, Dan Carter, like some pretty bloody good players. I looked at the midfield and I was like, oh shit, McAllister and Merliana, that's not quite, um, <laughs> that, that's, that's not quite up to some of the other parts of the team. But I mean, pretty bloody good players. Mm. But like I said, most of it basically, sadly, kind of boils down to the game later in the tournament. Sadly, I don't, maybe partly. Don't tell my wife because she's in the other room. But I also had a kind of new girlfriend at the time <laughs> who wasn't my current wife. And I think I was kind of partly distracted by that as well. Um, <laughs> so maybe a little off the kind of rugby stuff. I think I was definitely mm. following the All Blacks, but, um, but certainly not the Italians. And yeah, good team. But yeah, the whole Graham Henry reappointment thing and whatnot just tended to kind of overshadow everything else. Yeah. How about it's you guys? I mean, when you guys do go, how you guys would have been pretty young in that tournament? Did yeah. You, I wouldn't have so, known anybody, so it would have been before I really watched any rugby. So, so. it was, right. I think for both of us, the 2008 Six Nations was when we really clicked with rugby. Before right. that, it was something that was on in the house, and I'd sit down, we'd watch odd Wales yeah. games, but we weren't really right. following properly until until the following Six Nations, immediately afterwards when Gatlin comes in and Wales win it, and it kind of captured the imagination right. a bit more. So sure. I have memories of the 2007 World Cup being on. I remember watching one vague. or two games, but they're, they're yeah. really vague, watching them back, mm, yeah. yeah. So it's yeah. a very different situation. Yeah. Okay. Um, it's probably like me for like, I think like 95, I would have been a kid. Mm-hmm. And I just remember watching the final in bed with my parents. And then we lost and I was told to go back to bed. Because uh, <laughs> it, it was on in the middle of the night. But yeah, pretty right. vague. But 2007, I probably remember a, a, a bit more than what you guys would have, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah 100% right. you will. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just, is it slightly sour watching this All Blacks team even winning by winning comfortably as they do because of the context of what happens in the tournament? I think overall, because we ended up winning the next two, the negativity which is associated with 2007 kind of gets washed away. Like Mm. Henry had his redemption story. And like most of those players who we mentioned earlier go on, you know, to be part of that 2011 winning side. So, yeah, maybe it's just a case of one of those ones where you got to... You got to lose it to to know how to win it, basically. I mean, you guys would have seen the Richie McCaw movie Mm. that he made after he retired. And he talks a lot about how that World Cup loss taught them you know, some lessons with mental skills uh, and whatnot mm. to um, to get themselves mentally in the right place. So maybe it's the best thing that happened to them. I wouldn't have said that at the time. No. But, um, I, I distinctly remember my father swearing a lot, uh, <laughs> throwing stuff around the house, but uh, not, not, not too bad, you know, just frustration. But um, Oh, I mean, no, I yeah. remember our father 
when Wales lost to Fiji. And I think it's probably quite similar scenes. Ooh, yeah. 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 We've pretty much decided um, we're going to skip that episode when we get there. <laughs> Who needs it? Who, Who needs, needs it? it? <laughs> yeah. Not got that many lessons in Fiji, you know. Uh, they <laughs> enjoyed that, obviously. <laughs> you guys always play the World Cups as well. It's such a bizarre one. It's like it's, us with Italy. We always, always yeah, get Yeah. It is the worst experience watching Wales play Fiji in a World Cup because they always run as close, if not beat us. And yeah. it is I mean, it's traumatic. Though obviously you had the famous draw against Italy last time in 2019, which was such an iconic mm. game that we all remember fondly. Yeah. Yeah, Parise was real happy about that one, wasn't he? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he's still not retired. He's still going to try no, and next year. Still, he's got a chance. <laughs> we'll see chance. how this goes. And he was in this game as well. Yeah. Indeed, indeed. He was looking a, a little bit more here on the top, and he was looking yeah. a little bit more lean. The, that is my one big note when I look at the Italian team, when they line up for the anthems, is I have never seen Parise with more hair, and I've never seen Castro with less hair. <laughs> wild isn't it wild castro really stands out even without the flowing locks yeah uh you know when you see him lined up for the anthem yeah should we have a quick so, look at italy so, so, yeah let's okay so the italian team italy had had a really good six nations coming to this tournament as well hmm. so they'd finished fourth they'd beaten wales because hmm. of course they had they'd been kind of battered by france but otherwise like they pushed italy pretty no they of course yeah they did really well against italy they pushed england pretty close to twickenham kept it just sort of 15 points ish which at the time you know considering there's like world champions england wasn't too mm. bad they beat scotland away from home they beat scotland 37 17 at murrayfield the biggest ever away win in the six nations that's a huge win to be fair yeah then they had the infamous i have time game against wales where mm. they were three points ahead Wales kicked for the corner on like 79-49, referee saying they had time remaining, and then blew up for full time before Wales could take the line out. So it was a very controversial win, but it was a win nonetheless. So that's probably their most successful kind of it's campaign. Second most successful Six Nations ever. Wow, okay. Yeah, coming to the tournament. Right. They then had two warm-up games where they lost to Ireland by three points, they lost 23-20, which was you know a real kind of heartbreaker if you thought they could have done it. And then they also, they beat Japan. Okay. They beat Japan 36-12, uh, which was a smaller mm. margin they managed when they toured there the previous year. But it was, yeah, like they'd had a pretty good year leading into this. Mm-hmm. And How suddenly... were they getting these results? Was it their forward pack? Because, I mean, based on this game, that was kind of like the scrum and Maul was looking all right. But yeah. uh, and they got, you know, I mean, is that how they, do you remember? Have you gone back to look at any pretty of the much. games they played in 2007? It's a really good, it is a really good Italian pack. And I think mm. you see that in that first half is atrocious for them, but they have about two scrums and they boss both of them. Yeah, exactly. Mm. And I, it's weird that you can see how the All Blacks are so much the better team, but if you look at it closely enough, you can go, this Italy team look kind of woeful, but at the same time, there are strengths that you There are definitely into. highlights. And the thing is, the highlights that you see when you look at the starting team on paper translate perfectly to in the game yeah like castro is someone they rely on so heavily in all facets of the game like attack defense set piece marco bortolami captains them from the second row fabio ungaro is a good player you know like mm. um who is extremely like highly thought of in italian rugby circles and then they've got that back row which carries them all the way to the 2015 world cup in alessandro zani mauro bergamasco and sergio parise i mean my opinion of bergamasco may differ from uh, some people's but by all accounts that's an experienced back row yeah and 
you know, Andrea Marzi, who is, of course, played every single position for Italy in the background. Great player. Genuinely played everywhere from 10 to 15 for Italy. Yeah. He's filling in at 13 at this time. Brilliant You've player. You've got Alessandro um, Troncon hanging on. Like oh in the God, last yeah. two episodes, we've had George Gregan and Gus right. Picho, who are both senior scrum halves. I've gone like, it's amazing how the two of them were still top of their powers at that age. Mm. Troncon, slightly less so. He has faded a bit by this point. Yeah. Um, I yeah. think his, his still first pass, pass in the game is like above... Mm. Uh, with the 10 was like it's like right above his head and i'm like okay it's gonna because i did, made sure with this one i didn't go and look up the result like, obviously mm. i knew all books gonna win this one i didn't remember the scoreline whatsoever yeah. and uh yeah i saw that first pass and i was like okay this is gonna be <laughs> yeah. uh this is gonna be an interesting start and um sure enough it was did you guys watch it with the english commentary or with whatever other yeah. language they had on the strange italian commentary we had i thought uh, but with english half time Georgian or I found was it an something English, else? I found an oh. English one on um, some other site. And um, yeah, they mentioned a few interesting things. Like you mentioned uh, Castro Giovanni. They said he was like player of the premiership that year. Oh, okay. Uh, going oh, into that, that World Cup sense. as well. So he really would have been at the peak of his past. Like, I wouldn't have known that if they, uh, if <laughs> yeah. they hadn't have mentioned it. But um, I thought that was interesting. They said Conrad Smith had been injured right before, like the day before. They'd, they'd named the team with him at 13 and then they switched him late. Yeah, for, um, right. For Mulyaina, who was initially named at fullback. So right. there was a, a couple of good little nuggets there in the comments. Yeah. Although they also kept calling Sergio Parisa, they call, kept calling him like Paris. And I was like, okay, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not sure how well these guys know the Italian players, which I didn't <laughs> yeah. know that many of them, to be fair, either. But um, well, And apparently they ignored the haka. Yeah, they yes. were in the huddle, which was They got wild. into a huddle. Yeah, that's like... That's I, the thing is, I think this is quite an iconic moment because if you are going to make a stance against the hacker, you would better win. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of my stance on that. You'd better not lose by, I don't know, 76 points. That's probably quite a bad margin to back up your ignorance of the hacker. And Ali yeah. Williams, the whole time, is eyeballing them. Mm-hmm. And even long after the hacker is finished, he goes up to the halfway line and just stares down the Italian yeah. huddle. And even though they're not yeah. looking at him, you get the sense he is genuinely intimidating them and, like, towering yeah. over them. Like, there's a shadow comes over the huddle, and yeah. that's just Ali Williams eyeballing them. I think it's a brilliant moment. He was always a bit like that. He would always oh, creep yeah. forward a lot more than a lot of the other guys. I think he got mm. kind of slept on the wrist for it, for being a little bit too enthusiastic with that. Yeah. Yeah. But um, I think, yeah, especially with them not paying attention to it. There's a few teams who have done that, eh? Like, I remember, like, didn't Campisi back in the day, he would, like, practice, like, kick and catch with yeah. himself or something? And it, it never ends well no, for, for the guys who do the kind of casual stuff. Like, a few teams have had, if you can call it success, with, like, the England doing, like, the V or whatever. Mm. The France in the 2011 final, didn't they do some kind of formation? Yeah, they like, kind of you know, yeah. with a narrow head. Yeah. Very strange yeah. one, that. But once we just ignore it, it tends to not end that well. I saw Freddie Burns tell a great story about the third test in 2014, I think it would have been, or was it 13, whenever it was that England came and toured New Zealand. And in the third test, England had this great idea that Stuart Lancaster had come up with, where they oh, would God. line up during the hacker, they would line up for the kickoff, and they would just set up during the hacker and just get into position. And so they were still technically lined up, but they'd be set up, ready to play, as though like, come on, you get on with this so we can start playing. Right. And I was like, this is a great idea. This is like really going to stand up to them. It's going to be really great. Then Burns was just like, yeah, then I put the kickoff out in the full and it ruined the whole thing. <laughs> oh, ouch. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. I think yeah. my my favourite one actually is the Red Roses one from the World Cup final 
where uh, yeah. they stood 10 metres back and they just spread across the field. Because uh, yeah. I heard Emily Scarrett talking about this recently. And she said, like, a big part of that was so all of the Black Ferns uh, eyeballed her and Sarah Hunter as the two oh. most senior players. Mm. And, like, all of the younger players who will have had any nerves about the World Cup final won't have been looked at at all. Right. And I think it's a really clever one because they're still respecting the hacker. They're not doing anything yeah. especially, mm. but they're making this statement of like, no, you you can't get to us. You yeah. know, mm. I really, really, really like that. You have yeah, to go no, that's really smart. Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's smart. It always generates a bit of controversy. The old hacker, like every World Cup, I feel like there's some article about should mm. the hacker be banned? Does it give New Zealand an unfair advantage? And I'm just like, oh, that's going to get some <laughs> clicks on it. That article. Yeah, and this period just... was sort of the peak of people asking, is the hacker an unfair advantage? Mm, In a way, yeah. it sort of died out now, other than, as you say, like every World Cup, it gets thrown up again and brought out yeah. again. And but we're not being just... funny, like, if they didn't do the hacker, the All Blacks still would have won this game by the same margin. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I look back, have you seen the footage of the really old hackers from, like, yeah, way back in yeah. the day? The ones which just look ridiculous. Like, yeah. the All Blacks had a pretty good record back then. <laughs> exactly like, yeah i'm pretty sure i'm pretty sure it's not because of the the pre-match stuff so yeah i don't yeah. know like I, I just think like when i look at like world rugby's like most viewed videos so many mm. of them are just like amazing hacker or great response to the hacker like my wife does not give a shit about rugby but she will goddamn watch a hacker i'll tell you that so, yeah yeah it's great it's great casual fans i love the, the game man like they love it yeah like, yeah the reason the all blacks is the most marketable brand in rugby is partly down to the hacker. Mm, like people sure. pay to come and see the hacker because they want to see yeah. it live and then see yeah. the team, you know, do their, yeah. as the competition half time refers to it, like the Harlem Globetrotter bullshit. <laughs> he doesn't say bullshit. <laughs> Maybe he should have. Yeah. But that's, you know, part of the appeal is the, the black jersey and the hacker and the, the eyeballs and mm. the images of Mar yeah. Nonu and so on that, you know, get passed down. Speaking of um, pre match New Zealand traditions, right? During God Defend New Zealand, there's a hilarious point where the commentators don't realise it's not finished. And they think that God Defend New Zealand is just one verse. And they're like, oh, okay, that was nice. Let's carry yeah, on chatting. Yeah. And then carry on singing as like afterwards. It's like, oh, right. Oh, oh, there's still an anthem going on here. Right. My commentators must have known because they were Australian. Oh, no, it was Martin Gillingham and uh, Simon oh. Maddox. I was an Englishman and a Kiwi. But mm. um, the the crowd certainly started oh yeah okay 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 they started clapping like in that that pause between the two uh, so it wasn't it wasn't just them hmm. they played that hacker a lot for the hacker the anthem a lot faster yeah. i actually timed yeah, it yeah. I, I timed oh, it really to be honest the new zealand anthem is not like the most inspiring of all anthems like no one's going mm. like yeah it's like la Masia's and god defend new zealand which are like my two favorite anthems <laughs> right like it's pretty dreary but it was a minute 25 in this game and a minute 51 like this year. Like it's a lot oh, of wow. for wow. us. It's, it's only like 20 odd seconds, but in terms of like just the feel of the song, I, I quite like it when it's a bit more, you know, up tempo. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, a, it's, yeah. Just a, it's just a bit dreary. We're lucky we've got the haka to give us a bit of oomph after what's a pretty yeah. dreary song. Yeah. To fix the game for you as the hacker always does clearly. Maybe it's yeah. got to defend New Zealand that gives you the unfair advantage. No one's questioned that. Yeah, because it's really long and goes and oh, I don't know, it's not the longest. Your guys' one's pretty cool. Yeah, oh, it's, it's great. a great anthem. It's, it's a yeah. great anthem. I, I'm very proud of it. Yeah, to... the way the fans get into it is, um, yeah, I think it's a that's... special part of trips to Wales, right? 
Yeah, that's 100%. that's what makes it special. It's the the standing up in the atmosphere and the much like Flower Scotland at Murrayfield. Mm. Right. Like the it's the crowd participation, I think, is the, the thing that really makes Anthems it. Anthems that give you a home advantage. Yeah. Mm. To, to go back to New Zealand to just look at mm. I mean, when they brought up that team sheet, you go, mm. Oh Jesus Christ. Yeah. <laughs> look at that yeah. team. The commentators on my one basically said, I think they kind of alluded to the fact what you guys said, like, oh, Italy's actually not too bad. Um, yeah. You know, they've got this guy who's playing premiership play of the season, and they pretty much went, but Jesus, look <laughs> at the other side. Yeah. I, said, I think they, that said, the biggest <laughs> strength in this New Zealand team on paper is that front row, Woodcock, mm. Mialamu, Heyman. And Heyman yeah. is thought of by a lot of Kiwis as, like, essentially the greatest tight end the All Blacks have ever had, or one of, which... To me at the time, kind of felt insane because uh, as a kind of casual fan at the time, I'd never seen the, him play for the All Blacks. So I was very excited to see going into this, like, oh yeah, how's Heyman get on playing for the All Blacks? And spoiler alert, he's pretty good. Yeah, yeah, he, he's, he's a mean human. I don't, I don't think he likes a lot of other humanity, to be honest. <laughs> I think that's probably part of the reason he got into the into the position that he did. But yeah, a couple of Blues guys alongside him and uh, Mia Lama Woodcock. Legions yeah, from, from my local team. You alluded to that combination of flankers of Jerry Collins, Richie McCourt, oh, with yeah. Soo Iolo at number eight as well. Yeah. So we've both grown up big fans of Jerry Collins because of his time at the right. Ospreys. We we met Jerry Collins as well, actually. Um, yeah, no way. Very briefly. Very briefly, very briefly. And he signed he was... a little scrunched up piece of paper for us. Lovely was bloke. He a large human? Very. Oh, he's bloody massive. Yeah, and... right. You can't go anywhere where he is without noticing him. He yeah, is one right. of the most distinctive men you'll ever see. The thing Both is, the hair and like he had at the time like a tiny little Tom Bowler hat he was wearing. Yes, um, <laughs> that was great, and he was really enjoying his hat, and everyone else was enjoying it <laughs> more than him. The thing about Jerry Collins is he has a physical presence in both the scary way and the funny way. Yeah, right. like at the same time and. Yeah, I, I think he's a fascinating character, Jerry Collins. Yeah, he's, a, um, he's a killer, killer tackler, but then like he's got a great smile, doesn't he? Yeah, <laughs> yes. yeah. He clearly, like, the thing about, like, nailing people in games of rugby, a lot of people say it would do it and say, like, oh, I'll do it because it's important, you know, to stop them getting offloaded or whatever. With JC, it's clearly because he enjoys it. Like, yeah. he enjoys nothing more than just killing someone on a rugby field. Yeah, and all power to you, JC. For. Yeah, absolutely. Who um, was it at the last World Cup that had "fold some cunt" written on there? Oh, what? Was, like, it was, I think it was. I think it was a rugby league player. Oh, was it a rugby league oh, player? That yeah, yeah. Like, it sounds like it's, now I say it. Of course, it's a rugby league. Player. <laughs> yeah, had it written on there like they're yeah. strapping. It is incredible. Union union players. It's usually mum. Or yeah, like yeah, something a little bit more innocuous. Well, enjoy. Um, yeah. Gareth Anscombe yeah. having "play your role" written on his last month. Does he really? And yeah. like that's boring. You know, why not write not get folded by some kind? <laughs> That's it. Like, if your strapping doesn't cause a conversation upstairs with the camera directors about make sure we don't show that. If you're not do- not doing that, if you're not forcing those conversations, then don't bother turning it's up. It's pro- probably not worth it, is it? Yeah. 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 Speaking of not turning up, right? The So the All Blacks had, I mean, had a really good... They'd won the Tri-Nations that year going yeah. in. They'd lost just the one game against Australia to a late try by Scott mm. Staniforth. Mm. Most Legend. memorable, yep, yeah, a much beloved player. One of those <laughs> rare players that managed to spread 12 caps out over 12 years. Wow. <laughs> 
Uh, oh no, sorry, eleven years. Never mind. But close enough. We have a Josh uh, Turnbull on our hands. <laughs> <laughs> but got a winning try against the All Blacks. So yeah, yeah. you know more than what a lot of us can say. Yeah, absolutely. So All Blacks really strong year. They just had that that worn kind of slip yeah. up where they put out a largely yeah. like a slightly weakened team, but yeah. still with Carter and McCaw and. This is what I'm talking about when I say legit All Blacks fans are like, surely we cannot fuck this up again. Like, (laughs) we we can't. Like, we just win all the games. Like, that's what we do at that time. Like, we don't lose many games at all. Like, we can't, surely. But, yeah. And it was like, they were the massive pre-tournament favourites. Yeah. They were on a real hot streak. As I say, you just glance at that team and it's a seriously stacked of quality. Yeah. Yeah. And, and to say this isn't even their 100% strongest starting team, that they've still got more. And like, I think that the, the true mark of this is like, look at some of the names on the bench. Chris Marsoi, Brendan Leonard, I mean, is an interesting one. But like, Aaron yeah. Major, Isaiah Toyava to come into the game later on in the game. Like, mm. hell of a bench. Uh, Brendan Leonard's an interesting one. Because, so a few weeks before the World Cup, the week before the squad was named, there were six All Blacks that went out drinking. And they went out, they skipped a curfew. Graham Henry was furious because this was against the Mm. rules. And he's very like old school school teacher. So, yeah. 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 So Piri Weeper was amongst them. So he got dropped in favor of Brendan Leonard. The only one of those players that made the World Cup squad was Conrad Smith of those six. Uh, And you're not going to drop him for any reason, are you? Like he could have been smoking crack before kickoff and you still would have had him in the starting team. There is no circumstance under which you drop Conrad Smith. Yeah, I wonder what he was. I think he was like not fully established at that time, but they knew he mm. was the business. I think he would yeah. have probably been single-digit caps, maybe around mm. ten. But wow. I think he had had an injury like the year before or something like that. But um, yeah, I mean, like I said, he was the guy selected initially before they kind of had to drop him. I think what did they say? Hamstring. Yeah. So right. Mm, good player. But Brendan Leonard is another interesting one because I mean, I keep mentioning these bloody commentators. Simon Mannix was all over that guy. He's like, this guy. Yeah. When he came, this guy can really play football. This guy's really like fucking Brendan Leonard. Okay. <laughs> well, like the like, Guardian's article. He, he was like, he was so excited. I was like, okay. The Guardian's article on the All Black Squad naming says, I mean, it's an extraordinary sentence to read now in retrospect. The Piri Weepu, yes, he's missed out because he's dropped the thing, but it was largely the emergence of Brendan Leonard, one of the most exciting talents in world rugby, who said right. the only try in victory over Australia and Auckland. Then goes on to say, the All Blacks have favoured taking the ball through middle of the Ruxin Tri-Nations, neutralising defenders standing in the fringe of the breakdown, and Leonard offers that more than Weepu in this area, quick to exploit mm-hmm. the smallest of holes and generate for momentum with his loose forwards. It would be no surprise if he fans Kelleher as the first choice scrum after wow. in this tournament. And going forward for the All Blacks. There was there a Brendan go. Leonard hype machine. Yeah. Yeah, apparently. Simon Mannix must have read that article before doing the comms on the game. Because mm. he was fully <laughs> aboard the hype train, which I do not remember at all. No. Because I remember him being yeah. bald and slow. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I remember him playing for Zebra and the yeah. Ospreys. Like, that didn't happen to, I don't know, like, who's a good player from the All Blacks? Maybe Richie McCall? That didn't happen to <laughs> If only. No. No, I don't think so. Not yet, anyway. Yeah. And like he also just disappeared out of nowhere at the Ospreys. Like he mm. just stopped turning up to training one day, and no one knew what happened. <laughs> um, Is that right? Yeah, he just sort of vanished out the squad. And Ooh. didn't he just reemerge in like the Pro Day or something? Or yeah, I think, so. I think he turned like... up somewhere in France like a month later. 
but it was during that period when no one was coaching the Ospreys. Well, yeah. They genuinely didn't have a He head picked coach. a bad time to go there. And we'll put it that yeah, way. It was all a mess. But yeah, it's a pretty remarkable New Zealand team. The other remarkable thing about them is that Graham Henry had made the decision beforehand in, as you said, they learned a lot of mental skills, but he was hoping to help them do that. What they could do was, so he, he hired a squad weather expert <laughs> for this tournament. So what? he brought in one of New Zealand, Kevin Ring, who was one of New Zealand's leading weather forecasters, <laughs> because he thought this guy could help them predict the weather incredibly accurately up to seven weeks in advance. So they would oh, know dear. the conditions they'd be playing in for every game. But also during like drinks breaks and so on, he could send on what the weather's going to be like for the next like 10, 15 <laughs> minutes. And he thought this was going to help them win the World Cup. Because that's what Dan Carter needs to know, right? As he's having his Gatorade, he needs to know. <laughs> which it will still be it. sunny in 10 minutes. <laughs> it did look pretty bloody hot, to be honest. I mean, yeah, yeah. Very warm yeah. day. It wasn't I am, say, right? Look, I'm no Kevin Ring. But I, I could have easily, before the game, predicted that that game that was very, very sunny at the, the, at the start, like insanely hot, as you say, I probably could have guessed that still was going to be the same by halftime. Yeah. Man, that takes a little bit of a gloss off Graham Henry for me. The fact that he thought that was going to be a thing. Like the mental skills thing, I thought that was genius. Maybe he's just rolling mm. dice. Like today we're going to go with, <laughs> well, we'll try mental skills instead of the whole weather bullshit. We'll see how that goes. <laughs> Okay. It's one of the most Eddie Jones thing a coach other than Eddie Jones has ever done. <laughs> yeah, but... yeah, for sure. Should we get into the kickoff? Yes. Then? Sorry. Yes, that's that's enough waffling. Yeah, absolutely. Well, of course, we get into the kickoff, and we need to be extremely specific with some of the timings of things because the yeah, All Blacks yeah. don't hang about, right? So the first thing I noticed was like, oh yeah, hello McCall, hello Carter, hello Moliaina, all of these players that we've watched in 2011 doing their thing, winning the World Cup, right? And being like, oh yes, we get to watch these guys again because these are like genuinely like timeless world-class players, right? I note that it takes Richie McCaw 14 seconds of this Rugby World Cup before he's offside, um, <laughs> which is amazing because he's not penalised. Like, good on him. Yeah, of course um, he isn't. And... The thing is, I make this note, I'm like, oh yeah, Richard, Richard McCall, oh yeah, it's taken him 14 seconds, he's already offside. And then he throws that back in my face by scoring 49 seconds later. Yep. I was wondering when I saw that, because I was like, oh shit, they've ignored the hacker. I wonder how the All Blacks are going to react. Oh shit, they've already scored a try. Like Before <laughs> I could even finish my thought. Okay. I don't think the All Blacks are very happy with that. There is something really hilarious about like Richie McCaw just being bullshit and scoring two tries in the first five minutes. And it's like, yeah, yeah, this this World Cup's barely underway, and Richie McCaw's already like player of the tournament shit here. It's like you mentioned, yeah. Mark, about that first dodgy pass from Troncon, and De Marini clears it into touch, and you've got the sentiment of Italy like, yes, we did it, good clearance, we got it out of the twenty-two, we're all going to be our oh, shit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like it's literally it's... seconds after the first lineup. That McCaw try is so insanely easy as well. Yeah, literally, it just takes like they just isolate Parise, get a good carry against him, and given he's the only both good and mobile member of the Italian pack, because a lot of those players are one of those two things, either good or mm. mobile. Peruso is mm. the only one who's both at this stage. Mm. And like Mara Bergamasco is com- has no idea where he's going. Doesn't have a clue that Richie McCaw is like blindsiding him essentially. And yeah, yeah McCaw just jogs it in from there out. 
Yeah, McCall's yeah. looking around both sides for support, expecting to have to pass, and then realizes, oh no, I've, I've scored. Like, oh, no, this is just go and do so this. easy. Yeah. 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 Like, yeah. it's like, if that happened in like a kid's game of rugby, you'd say, like, okay, we need to like handicap him, you know? <laughs> Especially when he scores the second one. Yeah. Well, I think that wasn't a Soyalo had the great line out take, right? One handed. Mm. That one That one was like, I don't remember him because it's so long ago. I don't remember Soyalo as a great line out merchant, but he had a, he had a mm. few good ones in this game. Yeah. Actually. Yeah. The first one. Yeah, he's really just. I was nimble. surprised by how like athletic Soyala was because yeah. I always thought of him as like this big carrying number eight, big hulking actually, man. Yeah, yeah. Actually, he had some really good skills. Yeah, no, it's the same thing here. Like when I think of Soyalo, I don't remember. I mean, again, it's so long ago, but I don't, I don't remember mm. that aspect of his game. But geez, he was good. Yeah, but all of my memories are of him. About two, he's one of those players that shone very brightly, very briefly, mm. and then about. By about 2009, his kind of last period in the All Blacks, 2009-10-ish, he had slowed down a lot, I think. And he yeah. kind of had like a real burst of form and then dropped off quite steadily and quite steeply. As you say, I think he became, he probably lost some of that pace and he probably yeah. lost some of the athleticism and suddenly, you know, was supplanted by Kieran Reid, who then goes on to become one of the best players the All Blacks have ever plays had. Plays in the world. Yeah, plays yeah. the world's ever seen. And kind of no shame in that. Yeah, that's just my thing. That's just like literally thinking there's, there's no shame in that. Sometimes that happens with the All Blacks environment, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you're a winger, it's almost certainly going to happen. Yeah. The second McCaw try, as, as alluded to, comes, again, it's really poor Italian defence. Like, Byron mm. Kelleher goes for a bit of a snipe. And then, to be fair, McCaw's support line is fantastic. Like, he really mm. reads what Kelleher's doing the entire time. And I think Kelleher's offload's really, really good. Like, yeah. you see it on the first angle, and you think, how can he possibly throw that without it going forward? But actually, you see it on the reverse angle, and no, like, he knows exactly where McCaw's coming from, and just, like, holds the ball out for him, and knows exactly what to expect from his own captain. And you've got to hand it to the two of them, even though Italy didn't really put up much of a fight for them. But yeah. Mm. They still did their job well. Like, yeah, Keller has one of those guys because he was always fighting other guys for that position, like Justin Marshall for a long time. Yeah. They had a big rivalry. Like, I never remembered Kelleher as being that flash. And again, like you say, this game was a game which made a lot of guys look pretty good. But mm. yeah, he, he did some great snipes in this game, didn't he? He did. And I think yeah. in the lead up to that try, didn't Italy like put in some big, stupid, big up and under, like way too deep. And New Zealand's just yeah. like, okay. You want us to have the ball back? Like, fine. No pressure on the kick chase. Just, just kick the shit out of it. I don't know. It what was, I really um, like. It's interesting. After that kick, Sivavatu tries to take a quick tap off his knee from calling the mark. Yeah, that's and, right. And like, I, I've seen him do that before, playing for Claremont and getting penalised for it. So clearly, it's just something that he just tried to get away with all the time. Because yeah. one of those yeah, things. Simon Maddox was up in arms about it. He's like, they should have really? pinged that. They shouldn't have let him get away with that. And I was like, yeah, get on it, Simon. Get it. Yeah. Get yeah, but like, I'll come on to this as the game goes on, but I've got a lot of issues with the Italian kicking game because I think that, that is, honestly, if they had brought a good kicking game, their, their entire like attacking game and everything would be like so much better. Tell, so predictable. Tell you what, say what you like about David Bortolucci, the fullback for Italy in this game. Say what you like about him, but that man loves a kick out on the full. <laughs> he certainly does. You know what, though? Because I, I got weird flashbacks. So the first game we did in 1987 was New Zealand against Italy, mm. right? And right. there at fullback, we had Serafino Gizzoni, who yes. 
we've talked about before, look like, uh, looking like the Dolmio man, not knowing how to ground a ball on his own try line. Every time he kicked the ball, he looked like he'd never really seen a ball before. Like, uh, he was so entertaining. I loved him. And there was something great and nostalgic about watching Borta Lucy because yeah. every time, like, every time Dan Carter stuck the ball in the air, he had absolutely no idea where it was going. Like, it, it wasn't just like a poor understanding of rugby because I'm sure he was a great player, right? But it was kind mm. of the understanding of physics. That, that like got the better of him of like oh if the ball flight trajectory is like this it's not gonna then suck, suddenly get suckered into my hands well that was it yeah. he was he was stefano gazzoni for the gavin henson generation he was. i really enjoyed it like he was completely clueless but clearly spent a lot of time looking in the mirror before the game yeah I'm wondering yeah. wait a second if i'm looking in the mirror that means things are the same which means i should kick the ball out exactly so it's exactly where i am i am right now really excited to see him play against teams that aren't the all blacks and see if he's like really good like on the counter attack or something because i can only assume he is well so the all blacks like straight away straight after that second mccall try score another like absolute beauty where Sivavati makes a break and then about 16 players offload and link up. And it's a proper, like, the previous two tries have been freak moments that have come one after another. And this is the team clicking into gear with confidence. Yeah, yeah. And you're looking at that first, like, 10 minutes and going, how can they not win the World Cup? Yeah, yeah. And how there's Ke- Kelleher sticking that ball up in the air, McCaw chasing it and offloading perfectly to mm. Sivavatu. And, like, the whole thing, you're right, they all look like they're on the exact same script. McDonald unselfishly giving that pass to Sivavatu to finish it. It's just, it's perfect. Yeah, that one... I would, yeah, all of us had opted for three before that as well, eh? Mm. Yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. That was a weird moment as well. I was thinking, you guys are literally having a no-opposition training <laughs> run here. But you're like, oh, well, it's a World Cup. We, we, we better opt for three. I don't know. Um, that was That was bizarre. Yeah, and then yeah, it was the it was um they dropped the box. Okay, it was the killer. Yeah, I'm just looking at my notes with all these bloody tries and trying to work out which one was which. Because Heyman was involved in that one as well. Was, oh, was that the yes. Howlett one? No, I think I think yeah, I think it was the Howlett one where um, right, right. Heyman pops up in midfield, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah, that's uh, right. Yeah, and throws the pass. Big man. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. This is There's... the kind of game where we need the whiteboard. Why you're up yeah exactly this is that. why I, in my videos i'm always looking at back right that's that's the kind of keeping me on track yeah that was 24 nil after like 10 was it like 10 or 12 minutes or something ridiculous uh, they, they, they keep referencing the like the all blacks are currently scoring at what are they saying at a point every 30 seconds or something like that that's what that is. and then later later on the commentator goes well they're now down to a point every 45 seconds so the all blacks are really <laughs> easing off like there was some gold in the english commentary honestly those guys were having a blast <laughs> the amount it, of troncom this... bollockings we saw was insane well is this the nightmare like the worst game for you to try and cover in the way you do these games <laughs> where there's so many tries that seem to happen one after each other <laughs> I think sometimes it's just like you just go and then this guy and then this guy. Like you don't have to yeah. really sure. talk about like the key moments that led up to something. Like, you know, I-, I love watching games and you'll see like it's one guy who just, I don't know, like dropped mm. a high ball, which led to, you know, an overlap, which led to a guy chipper chase. Like that, like breaking, because like, the highlights only ever show you like the pass before the try. Yeah. And I like always looking back like the pass before the pass, before the pass, before the kick, which was dropped. You know, that, I love that stuff. But yeah, 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 you, yeah. You don't really, you don't always need to when it's like 70 points. Sure. Yeah, you should sure. give an overview. Yeah. yeah. 
the thing that really struck me about this first sort of 20 minutes is how bloody good the All Blacks kicking game is. Mm-hmm. The, oh, Carter's boot, man. Wow, that was just... Yeah, like, he was my God. That. Like, Compared to the Italian guys kicking it out in the freaking fall and shit, yeah. it was just like... But like, yeah. it was the, it's the most Wayne Smith thing I've ever seen was watching this this All Blacks team and seeing how they used their, their kicking game as a force for good in attack. That yeah. Every time, like they, when they stuck it in the air, they'd make it so it's just too shallow for the Italian back three to cover. And, you yeah. know, if they were shallow, it, it, Carter would have them, you know, spinning round all day long. And, like, the little chips over the top and everything. Like, yeah. every single time Italy left an inch of space in behind, they, yeah. they punished them. And then as soon as they covered it, obviously Dan Carter playing with Luke, Luke McAllister, having two distributors in the team. They had yeah. no issue getting it wide to like their rapid back three, and oh, as yeah. like it is Wayne Smith all over, knowing how to manipulate a defense with all that, and like, it really really scans with how the Black Ferns played this World Cup just gone, mm. um, so... using the kicking game as an attacking force. New Zealand then score two tries straight one after another, both from Carter putting through beautiful chips. So much yeah. space. How yeah. do you yeah. not cover it? Space. I was like looking at. Shouldn't shouldn't there be a guy here? Like I was just pulling my hair out. Like, why would you not kick it if, like, yeah. if you're a half decent ten? You're On gonna... first phase as well, yeah. like the Mills Moyaina one is straight off a line out and just like yeah. Buffalo Lucy just clearly has no idea where the offline. I had to play rewind it. it and I was looking like, where the fuck are you? Like, you're <laughs> cup of tea or something? Like, it didn't make sense. My mind was just exploding. Like, yeah, I'm then... having a field day. Shortly after, you know, so the Moyaina scores from one, and then straight afterwards. Straight after it's already 31 0 after 14 minutes. Carter does another lovely chip and Sivavatu scores from it. I think there might have been a McCaw turnover in the build up to that one as well. Oh, trademark. Standing item. Yeah, exactly. So at least that's a bit more understandable if it's off turnover ball you haven't set up late. late yeah, that, 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 that's again a bit more understandable. But yeah, yeah. 38 0 after 19 minutes. They then try it again moments later, New Zealand. They try another chip. And this time, Border Lucy just about gets to it with a flying volley. Yes! <laughs> I forgot about that. And it's it's great because, like, they then try and recover the ball, Italy, and, like, it, it ends up with, like, one of the Italian players, I think it might be Parise, slaps the ball back for somebody stood behind them to, like, mm. see if, you know, can you recover possession? And this that player, whoever it is, stood behind him, just volleys it into touch. Yeah. It's an incredible passage of play. 20 yeah. minutes in. Yeah, 20 minutes yeah. in. Ridiculous. Yeah. They've already res- resulted to that. There is a point, though. So Italy finally do a good kick, like 25-odd minutes in, right? And they hit like a 50-22, as it would be now. Yeah. Um, I kept looking for the 50-22s in this game because my brain is so trained for it now. Yeah. You'd see a good kick and you'd be like, ooh, and away mm. from a different, the, the different era. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But like, they did that. And then the All Blacks then kind of engaged in a bit of a kicking battle with them kind of thereafter. Yeah. And it was Italy started kicking really, really well, mm. and then they reached a point where they start they ran the ball, and you think, okay, fair enough. If you got on top of a kicking battle, that's a good time to run the ball and see if you can do something. But their speed of ball was so slow, and the All Blacks yeah. line speed oh. was clearly like something they'd actually worked on and trained, and that they actually yeah. thought about how to get on top in defence, which they were so far on top until eventually it reaches a point where Italy's best idea is to give it to Mauro Bergamasco in the pocket who tries this stupid kick over without even really chasing it. And Leon McDonald catches it, right? Calls the mark and goes, okay, that's fine. Let's have a breather. And the Italians, you would think, are going, okay, you know what? We tried something. It didn't work. 
Let's move on. Let's. We've now got a breather. We've now got a bit of time to organise our defence. So let's mark every part of the pitch, right? Let's think of all, all of the passing options that McDonald might have and even kicking options that McDonald might have. But the, the thing that they forgot to think about is the possibility of Liam McDonald tapping the free kick and running in a straight line. <laughs> because he does he does exactly that and goes straight through. And once again, it's my man Bergamasco who looks at him run past him and does nothing. Yeah, for all the genius of Wayne Smith and all his kind of next level plans and whatnot, sometimes it's just like, oh, I'm just going to run in a straight line because nobody's in front of me. (laughs) Yeah, my note note was literally, that's a poor Italian kick. Like that was my first first note leading up to uh, the rest of what happens. Yeah, and so he offloads to Ali Williams and Ali Williams is offloaded out the back to Sivavatu. Sivavatu. Oh, yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah. Uh, Silver we all know this. Everybody who's ever seen him play knows this. Just a world class finisher. Like mm. there is, it's it's the cliche of there's no substitute for pace. But yeah. when you've also got the level of balance and agility that he does, it really mm. helps and strength as well. Like really yeah. underrated in that department. Yeah, and another one of those all black wingers who just fell out of the picking order because somebody mm. else came along. But yeah, mm. in his peak, he was he was fantastic. Yeah, and then had a great career in Europe as well afterwards. So yeah, yeah amazing like, for Claremont. Was yeah. European Player of the Year once, and didn't he play quite long into his? Yeah, he went yeah. for quite for like a long an outside time. back kind of thing. He's sort of never never lost his for place. a bit. He yeah, when he first went to Claremont, he had sort of a quiet season straight after the 2011 World Cup when he first went over. Right, and then about the year after, he was then once he'd settled a bit, he was then unbelievable. I was, I think, European yeah. player of the year in like 2012 or 13. Mm. And then, yeah, went until... He was unplayable that year. Um, went Whoa. to cast afterwards. And yeah, like, played for two French clubs, both for quite a long time. Had a really great career in France. Became a really big name in, in European rugby again, having been, you know, a big name in the world stage on its own. For sure. So yeah, played until he was about 37-ish. So had Yeah, which is not bad for a winger, man. Yeah. Yeah. No, he was unbelievable. Like he, he's a player I've been so excited to watch in his prime, I suppose, for the mm-hmm. All Blacks playing internationally because just seeing him finish tries from fifty meters out, there's nothing yeah. like it. Like yeah. I don't think he has a finger laid on him, like when he makes his breaks in this game. He's ridiculous. Yeah, I really wish they'd had the match stats for this one. I, I tried to mm. look for them mm. on like the usual sites because I would have loved to have seen like some of those like clean breaks and all the yeah. tackles and whatnot. Some of the missed tackles, geez, would have been pretty yeah. <laughs> would have been pretty oh, misleading. Do you want two great stats from the first half? Okay. So the first half, right? The score I, I didn't actually write down the scoreline, but it was bloody ridiculous. Yeah, forty three seven. Forty three seven, thank you. The whiteboard always does the trick. Uh, so the scoreline is 43-7 at half time. Possession is 50-50. <laughs> and but the missed tackle count, the tackle to miss tackle count, right? So Italy's tackles made 51, tackles missed 52. Are you shitting me? They Genuinely. 48% uh, tackle success. Less than 50% tackle success. Oh my goodness. I've looked at the stats for a few games in my years, but I've never seen anyone go below 50. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's that's quite something, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. That's properly remarkable. It might it, be some sort of world record. Yeah, oh, it must be. It must be in a half. Like, it says it's a lot about how the Orbex are one nation. Like, you yeah. can't imagine it ever gets lower than that. 
Yeah. Whoa. And there was a point, like, they flashed up with 10 minutes or so to go, that the, both teams had made the same amount of kicks. And it's, it's just very clear that the All Blacks are kicking so much more effectively and generating yeah. so much more space. Yeah. And that is a big part of it. As you say, possession was even. The amount of kicking was even. Like, but the All Blacks were still scoring 40 points and a half. So about 20 minutes, Alessandro Troncon goes, I've had enough of this, and goes full fidem. And just like, he is... There's a few times he just looks up, sees what his options are, goes, no, and kicks it. And he's like, I don't want any of you cunts having the ball. I'm doing this myself. I do not trust any of you. And some of the kicks are okay. Some of them are just yeah. giving possession to that All Blacks back three. Yeah. He doesn't yeah. want it to go to his own 10. Some of the yeah. balls to McDonald were just way too deep, man. McDonald was just yeah. eating them for yeah. breakfast. Like, just no pressure. Yeah. yeah. Nothing chasing. So, Except for Salvatore Perugini, the loose head, who chases <laughs> everything, bless him. Like, Sadly, he's easy to step. Yeah. <laughs> it's not his fault. No, no, not through lack, lack of trying. Really fell for the guy. Because like, yeah. he is chasing everything. He scrummages really well. And he gets brought off at half time. Yeah. So they mentioned on the comms that the Italian head coach at this point is our friend from the yes. 1987 podcast, Pierre Bebezier, the French scrum half, uh, who mm. I grew to really like across that tournament. He became like one of my favourite players in the 1987 tournament. And they kind of do like a mini montage at half time of him looking fucking fuming uh, <laughs> every time New Zealand scores so, and him just like wanting to punch a different member of his own coaching staff. Straight after Howlett scores the third try. Then Portalusi puts the ball out on the full, obviously, <laughs> yeah. and they cut up to Bebezier in the stand, and he has a look on his face of slight bemusement. <laughs> it's like it's the look of like, oh, I thought my wife wanted lingerie for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> it's like he doesn't quite understand what he's got wrong, but he understands there may be repercussions that are not good. <laughs> Yeah, there oh. were a lot of shots of him. Graham Henry was smiling though. He was looking yeah. rather he was looking in rather a good mood. He's usually got a pretty stern look on his face, but he I think we saw his pearly whites at some points in this game. Yeah, he ruffles Wayne Smith's hair twice. <laughs> yeah. Good on you, son. Good good planning. <laughs> See what you did there. Yeah. No, it's great. But the Italians did manage to score a try in the first half. They yeah. certainly did. They certainly did. Do you want to talk us through this, Mark? This tr- through this try? I mean isn't he a, a Bristol legend? This guy, uh, what's his name? Stanovic. Stanovic. Yeah, well, it was like a three-on-one for the All Blacks. The All Blacks had them dead yeah. to money, and he had to go for it, didn't he? He just made that that gamble, like, yeah, I'm going to go, and I'm going to get it and be a hero, or I'm going to miss it, and they're going to score anyway, but... He went for it, and he freaking got it. Byron yeah. Kelleher, I was talking, I was talking you up earlier. Well, <laughs> Brendan Leonard would not throw in that. Exactly. So that there's an interesting story about this. About so Stanojevic, uh, this was his seventh cap and his final cap, as it so oh. happened. Oh wow! But he'd missed the Six Nations with injury, and he'd come back for the warm-up games, but felt really like off the speed of it. Like he felt like he wasn't anywhere near his top form. And then playing against the All Blacks was something that basically he was really nervous for and felt like this isn't going to be the perfect time for me to like hit top form again. So his account of this try is we were 43-0 down and shortly before the half-time whistle, I was faced with five opposing All Black figures and very little hope. Byron Keller has suddenly launched an attack from halfway, left to right, and I saw a long pass that was meant for Tisveni Sevvatu. I hoped for a man on board tackle, but soon realised I could probably reach the ball and took a gamble. (laughs) 
I opted for the gamble and intercepting the pass and ch- uh, checked both shoulders 30 yards later. I was scoring a try and it felt more like a probability than a possibility. The feeling of putting the ball down across the line in front of 60,000 supporters was incredible. The scoreline was barely affected, but for me, it was still a great moment. Oh, but yeah. that isn't the biggest part of this. Okay. So a big part of why he took that gamble was because, as I say, he knew what the scoreline was like. So if he missed that intercept... It would hardly be like, oh yeah, come on, you're to, you're to blame for us losing this game, yeah. right? Yeah. But there was something in it for him in the personal accolade of scoring against the All Blacks. Because mm. he was so off form and hadn't been playing for Italy and so inexperienced, you know, got six caps going into this. Mm. He had made a bet with one of his friends that if he scored a try against the All Blacks, and his friend who was an All Blacks fan, would have to get the Italian flag tattooed on his ass. Wow. Holy shit. Uh, and and he did. He did. Wow. Um, so Stanisovic goes for this intercept thinking, well, there's something in it for me if I get an intercept and take this yeah. risk. And he does. He runs it in. And now his friend, who's an All Blacks fan, has a tennis ball sized Italian flag tattooed on his ass. Wow. On That's his right incredible. cheek. Wow. You never can with tattoos, man. Come on. Yeah. Once. My favourite thing I came across in my very brief research on the guy, he was asked by a Bristol fan site, what inspires you to play rugby? And he says, well, I've tried nine to five jobs and I'm not very good at them and I don't enjoy them. <laughs> love it. I love it. He scores tries to get people inked and then he just doesn't like a nine to five. So he's like, fuck it, I'll play rugby. That's fantastic. <laughs> what a legend. What I really hated it. I hated working nine to fives at a desk. I preferred to let off steam playing rugby. So I did that. <laughs> Like Jeez, it's just, just do it. Yeah, yeah I'll just, just do it. I just, I'll just be a professional rugby player. Fuck this nine to five shit. Wow. <laughs> That's incredible. Wonder what he does now. That's incredible. I wonder. Mm. We can need to try and catch up with page. him. Yeah. yeah. See, if, see if there's a freelance winger out there somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> He's yeah, turning up at offices office. and chasing high balls. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So we're probably at half time at this point, aren't we? Yeah. 43 7, the comeback for Italy is on. By yeah. this point, like by the end of the first half, the Italian or whatever language it is commentary have just started laughing every time the All Blacks score. <laughs> is that right? They've oh, given man. us on any hope. Can we talk right. about Carl Simon, Heyman's Simon's... yellow card, by the way? Oh, man, that's... <laughs> yes. That's, I, I love the fact that we could hear the, the referees talking about that, the fact that they, they called what they said, well, I think they called it a touch judge report right? Mm, Oh, I've got a touch judge report. Like nowadays we would get a, oh, I've got a TMO check, check kind of thing. And he's like, I punched to the face, punched to the face. That's a yellow card. So I don't know what the fuck, what was a red card back in those days? If not a punch to the face. Like to actually eat a player's face. It's not, it's not one of those where it's reported as not a punch in the face, but it is. Because sometimes those happen, right? Where mm. the touch judge slightly misses it, thinks it's like a flatty to the face or whatever. Yeah. But like the touch judge looks at it and sees, that's a punch in the face. And those are the yeah. words he uses. That's a punch yeah. in the face. Give him a yellow card. Yeah. I don't. It's just, well, sometimes you get that when you look at the old games, right? You're like, you look at some tackles and stuff and you're like, Jesus, like you wouldn't get away with half of that nowadays. But yeah. Mm. Punch to the face. Hasn't that always been pretty? Hasn't that always been kind of a no no? And like when you see it from, there's one angle that shows it from behind, we can see it very clearly. It's not the most violent punch in the face. It's not. Maybe no. if like the Manu Tuolangi one that he got 
that yellow card for on Chris Ashton. <laughs> he got Chris Ashton yellow carded for that as well. Mm. That's still remarkable. It does not surprise me that it was Carl Heyman getting the yellow card for a punch mm. in the face, to be honest. If you'd asked me on this team sheet before you watched the game, who do you reckon is most likely going to punch someone in the face? You'd probably go with Carl Heyman. Yeah. yeah. It's not yeah. Dan Carter, is it? It's between him and no. Alan Williams, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. So, yeah. So, he gets himself sent off and it does not make a difference. Oh, no. You don't notice he's off the field. Yeah. No. They, they, bring on Nima, they bring on Tialata, don't they? He's, yeah, he's they do. I like, I like Tialata. Um, yeah, seems big, like big a really sound bloke as well. I've always like had yeah. a good impression of him. Yeah. I think he's got some record for being like the heaviest All Black ever. Oh, wow. Or oh, wow. Like, yeah, yeah, at 100. And, I think he was heavier than Tuina Kuafe was in his last game. Wow. All Black, so, he yeah, carries his weight well. Mm. I'll yeah. say that much. Yeah, he doesn't. So some guys look, don't know, they, they, they kind of look. You know, yeah, he's cool. not a slouch. He he's not a slouch. No, no that's right. Three hundred and two pounds. Wow. Okay. So okay. Big boy. Yeah, big boy. Chris Jack scores. The, Another Gala has snipe, right? This yeah. is one of the like and... shittiest defender tries <laughs> in World Cup history. Jesus a... Christ, Bergamasco! Classic, like under fourteens, not able to tackle the bigger man try. Yeah, at an international level. But the thing is, like, Chris Jack gets the ball, starts running slightly sideways, then, like, does a little mm. sidestep off his right, mm. clearly expecting to be tackled, and then just go straight through. Because Bergamasco yeah. can't, as an international open side flanker, doesn't know that if somebody changes directions, that's where you also just change your directions and just put your shoulder into him. Like, he has not, he has not got the hang of that. Like, mm. I've seen players turn slowly before, but this is something else from Bergamasco. And yeah, Chris Jack just straightens up and clearly looks around like, wait, you're supposed to, st- you're supposed to tackle me. Like, I'm supposed to like get an offload in here, but you've just not tackled me. And he's not expecting to score that for a minute because he's like, good player, but not known for his like open space running. Yeah, I was no. just thinking, like, he's not, like, the most, like, really great in the air, but not, like, mm. the most athletic guy, ball in hand. I mean, that's never been a huge part of Chris Jackson. No. He was just line, the line-out king. But, yeah, I think he was as surprised as anyone with that. Running the triumph for the 22. If, Nobody's you know you're getting, something's wrong if Chris Jack is stepping you. Like, that's, yeah. that's, that's, a, that's a pretty low bar, isn't it? Yeah. Chris yeah. Jack went on to retire in 2015 and become a bricklayer. Which I wonder if he had a kind of reverse 
Lloyd Burns situation where everyone's going 18 months ago he was an all black and now he's a bricklayer. <laughs> it's an inspiring story. Yeah. Doug Howlett scores an absolutely beautiful try. It's a blinder, isn't it? And then a minute later, Doug Howlett scores another beautiful try. <laughs> the first one is Jerry Collins' carry. Is Jerry Collins, great. Yeah. What, what I love about JC is like, he is such a physically imposing man. But actually, when it comes to both, as I say, nailing people and carrying mm. ball, he's actually really smart with the lines he runs. Yeah. Yeah, and you yeah, kind of forget yeah. that part of his game. like Because he does think about like, okay, how can I get an offload in here? How can I find a weak shoulder? Because he knows he has so much power. And look, as soon as he gets a weak shoulder on him, Collins doesn't fancy going the distance. We know that much. Mm. But he gets a brilliant offload in. And I can't remember who it's to. But, I think to Carter. Um, to, oh, it's to Carter. Mm. That's it. And yeah. Carter just perfectly times his pass to Howlett. Like, he knows... Yeah. Ex- it's the thing that always strikes me about Dan Carter because he never runs at full speed when yeah. he's got the ball, but he always knows exactly what speed to run at and how long to hold on to the ball for before right. giving it to the quicker man in Howlett. And mm. it's just perfect by Carter. Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. 57-7 at that point. The second Howlett tries great as well with the McAllister grubber off the yeah. JC again with the, the quick tap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like... I think he, um, Leonard with the white ball, I think, in the build-up to that one, right? Hadn't he come mm, on for yeah, yeah, yeah. Kelleher by that point? Yeah. yeah. That's when he's yeah. getting talked up and proven that all the hype, oh, the hype of the Brent Leonard. Best young player in the world. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. They bring off Carter around this point and move McAllister to 10. Yeah. And you know what? You get it. Like, yeah. Carter has been basically flawless for an hour and has got yeah. you a 60-point lead from... Just his distribution, his option taking, his kicking, both like his attacking kicks and his general like in play kicking. He's been basically flawless. Like he's been basically a Bloody ten out of ten good. performance by yeah, him. yeah. And also like when they bring on Aaron Major, he is so good mm. off the bench. He's absolutely unbelievable. That his first touch in the game is he's given. He's like being thrown like a kind of miss pass, and he throws a backhanded slap pass. Like the ball is falling down on him, and he slaps it with it with his backhand like you see it sometimes like someone slaps it with their palm to like mm. you know get it onto the next guy but to do it off the back of his hand is something i've never yeah, seen before that. that's amazing yeah he can play ball that. major yeah. there's I a really good like back slow crusaders slow-mo. guy mm. crusaders crusaders fan didn't didn't, didn't. <laughs> no, get on the major train but yeah I mean, what can I say? <laughs> he's a good player yeah always anyway player that seems to divide people and major yeah yeah, I think because they, they, they played him around a few different positions and yeah, I don't think he ever got the full buy. He's one of those ones that like Crusaders fans absolutely loved him and you could see he was a good player, but hmm. yeah, people outside of Canterbury preferred other guys, but yeah, he's, he's a good player. Yeah. Say. That sounds so reluctant. <laughs> <laughs> he's a good player or whatever. Yes. Yeah. No, very fair. There's one of my favourite points in the game. At one point, the Italian ball is so slow that whilst he's waiting for it to be playable, Troncon just starts a fight with one of the All Blacks forwards. <laughs> and then the moment the ball is available, he gives up on the fight and passes it away, which is what I want from oh. a scrum half. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You've got to use your time effectively, right? If you haven't got yeah. the ball to use, you've got to, you've got to do something else. Don't just stand around doing nothing. But Bezier would be proud. You've got to fit like four fights into a game. Come on. Like, yeah. where are you going to get your extra one in? And look, you know that you can punch someone in the face and only got a yellow, get a yellow for the sake of consistency, so yeah. you might as well. <laughs> yeah. Well, there is a yellow card later on to one of the Italian guys, right? For tackling Sotiello in the mm. air? Yeah, Paragini comes Blacks. back on and instantly gets sent yeah. off. 
<laughs> it is one of the dumbest penalties I've ever seen. Yeah. Usually, usually when guys get pinged for taking someone out in the air, it's one of the wingers doing kick chase, right? You're going flat yeah. out trying to contest the ball. They're like, what's the prop doing there? Come on, son. <laughs> he's the only guy chasing anything. He's <laughs> yes, just he's that's playing what he's doing. wing and prop and 10 and <laughs> if nine. nobody else is going to do it, he's going to do it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Trying to go for that full house, including the yellow card. But <laughs> sadly, just came up with the one. So we then have the All Blacks make a lovely run down the wing. They've got who is it in the end? Is it Howlett? There's Howlett. Just feed it back inside. Yeah, um, he just and he's got a few kick. options. Yeah, and oh, he has a few options back inside to give it. It could give it to anyone. Just it looks like it's going to someone that isn't Jerry Collins. <laughs> it goes to Jerry Collins. <laughs> Jerry Collins. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, Major ends up throwing that ball inside to Brendan Leonard. It would be mm. our man, our favorite player, hey, Brendan. Osprey's Leonard. all around him. Exactly. Where's exactly. Marty Holler? Yeah, exactly. And then, yeah, you're right. It is intercepted by Jerry Collins. He's like, no, we've been playing this game for like sexy minutes now. I need a try and runs it in. Dick move, Jerry. Dick move. This was the one point where I actually cheered out loud Yeah, I, when I, it happens. As I say, I have a soft spot for JC. I love so, Jerry. Yeah. What um, about for his next one then? Oh. So this is a try I remember very well because it's quite a famous I did, one, isn't it? I didn't, didn't remember this at all, no. Oh. Yeah, I, I also had no memory of this trial. This is I what I think of when I think of this it. game. So, oh, yeah. go on. Who's going to talk us through it? Well, go on, Squidgy. So, so the All Blacks make a break. They get up to the 22. They're on the front foot. Italian defence really backpedalling. Sioni Lawaki, great run. Yeah, thank you. I didn't make note of who did anything else in this try other than Jerry Collins <laughs> because none of it mattered. Brendan Leonard engages the fringes, just the Guardians were so excited for him to do. Drops it off to Jerry Collins, steaming onto the ball from 50-odd metres. And right as the Italian defender steps in, I think it's Bortolami is stepping in to try and take Bergamasco, it. Bergamasco, Bergamasco. Bergamasco. Of course, it's Bergamasco missed the tackle. Cool. Right as he's coming in to make the tackle, Jerry drops it onto his boot. And Bergamasco steps up like, oh, oh, okay. And Jerry drops in a beautiful, perfectly weighted grubber, sits up for him right before the try line. He regathers, scores himself. 20 yeah. meter grubber. It's a beauty. It's a wonder. It's a joy. Yeah. It's everything yeah. I could have possibly wanted to have happened in this game. Two yeah. Jerry Collins tries in a minute. One of them yeah. from a grubber kick he did himself. A grubber kick, exactly. I literally had to rewind that to just be sure that my eyes had been telling my brain the correct information, that <laughs> yeah. that is in fact what happened. And sure enough, yeah, my eyes did not deceive me. That I went to check just... it wasn't like McAllister didn't drop in the kick yeah. and Jerry was just chasing Literally, I did the same thing. I was yeah. like, surely, yeah. But no, it was Jerry. Yeah, it's it's great. Because like th- the whole time he's steaming up and you... All the Italians are thinking about is shitting themselves about, oh, I've got to tackle Jerry Collins. Yeah. Like, but they're not thinking about that. And he's clearly identified that's where the space is. Thing is, if it's not Jerry Collins, right, and you're M- Mario Bergamasco, whoever puts that kick in, you just drop them to the floor and you concede <laughs> that penalty because you can Ooh. say like, oh, I was committed. You're probably Ooh. not going to get yellow carded. But given it's Jerry Collins, it's much easier said than done. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, true. If it's not 69 to 7 at the time he puts in that kick, do you think he goes for the kick? I think. I mean, it's obviously on. Yeah. Any other flanker probably doesn't, and he probably would get bollocked for it. But I think Jerry, it's the sort of thing Jerry Collins did. Like, I remember when he was during his time at the Ospreys, he used to put in the kicks for the corner of the five meters out himself. And, you know, (laughs) especially when he was captain. 
Like yeah, he would burrow for the was... ball, like, oh, I'm just, I'm just going to get the ball so I can make a decision to the referee. And then just while the scrum half's turned his back, just kicks it, kicks it out. <laughs> he would do oh, that man. sort of thing. Like he just loved it. He was just into right. it. And I think he saw himself as having a better, stronger, more rounded skill set than any of the coaches that ever worked with him did. But we do have after this try, one of the times where Graham Henry ruffles Wayne Smith's hair, which says like, did Wayne Smith have the forwards doing kicking sessions or something before this game? Mm. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. Just to Maybe. credit Wayne Smith and everything. Yeah. Yeah. Talking Maybe. about big moments, right? So I mentioned earlier, as I say, our previous series of this podcast, the opening game was between New Zealand and Italy, right? We really enjoyed that. But mm. at one point during that game, there came a moment where something so insanely unprecedented happened, which I never expected to see on a rugby field. And it led to me writing something in extra large capital letters in my notes about this. And that was the fact that a dog had run onto the field. Famous <laughs> dog. Was... I've seen you guys mention the dog. God knows how many times. You guys love that bloody dog. We love Fabio <laughs> the, the dog. The greatest thing that's ever right? happened in rugby. <laughs> was the dog coming onto the field to play against the All Blacks. It's just one of the greatest <laughs> things that's ever happened. But... So that that had happened in that game, and I thought that nothing could ever live up to that as something as as I say, like when you watch a rugby game, you expect your eyes to see certain things, right? You expect them to not deceive you. You expect like, oh yeah, the, the there there is a there's a realm of possibility within a rugby match, right? Mm. And so I had something that had me write in the exact same tone of of when a dog had come onto the field, or something I just never thought I would see in a rugby world cup match, and that is that Mirko Bergamasco scores a try. <laughs> it's on the same level as the dog it's it's not far off I've never seen Mirko Bergamasco score a try before this in been... all my years seeing play across the back line we've spoken about this before basically Robbie, a running joke for us for our entire rugby watching lives is that Mirko Bergamasco is a kind of within Italian rugby certainly a legendary winger and back in general and we've never seen him score a try and like, he kicked the one... goals he was like an iconic player for them. Like whenever anyone watched Italy in the early 2010s, Bergamasco was the player whose name they would learn quickest mm. because he was the right. kicker. He really stood out. Like he was, really he was always involved. And... Yeah, I remember Jiffy yeah. making the point of most kickers are very calm and collected, and he wasn't. He would shout and scream as he was lining up the kick. <laughs> never mind, like once he nailed it. This is the first time I've ever seen him score a try. I think. Well, the, there was one try they'd play in the opening of the Six Nations mm. on the like, opening montage. And that was the only try I'd ever seen him score. And you have no idea what the context of that was? No. Like, you've just seen him put the ball down. And then to see this, whoa. Well, this one, Luke McKelsey does a little cute little dinking kick out of his 22, right? Which yeah. is expecting somebody else to get... Because up until that point, I'm like, all right, because... Luke McAllister, a bit, a bit like Aaron Major. I was a bit like, uh, I don't know about this guy. Like, he wasn't one of my favorite players. I always expected him to kind of shit the bed at some point. And up until this point in the game, I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, he's not Dan Carter, but Luke McAllister's going all right. And then he did that little <laughs> cute little dinking kick. And then he does something else a wee bit later, which doesn't end up getting punished with the little pass between his, his legs when the Italians get the denied try at the end. But yeah. I think there was a little bit of a gift in that one from the All Blacks, right? A little bit too cute, given it's, the... I mean, it's the a kick you go for 60 points up, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, good moment for the Italians, I guess. To yeah. Have a... Yeah, Stan Aljevic has the run himself, tries to step Leon McDonald, and then ends up popping it off the floor. And then because Mirko Bergamasco can't really catch, he just instead knees it on and gets it into the in-goal area and then just flops on it by kind of 
almost by fluke, he scores that try. I don't think he realised what he was doing, but it worked. He scored against the All Blacks. Yeah. That's of the best kind that. of try, man. The flukes are the best ones. Yeah, right? yeah. And oh, the CF that a fluke one. Yeah, absolutely. Why not? Of course, that kind of shambling bollocks of a try is the one Bergamasco scores. <laughs> like, I would not take seeing Berg- my first ever Mirko Bergamasco try. I would not have that any other way. I would not <laughs> have wanted him to like take a chip kick over his head and then run it in from 50 meters, stepping the fullback. Like, I wouldn't want to see that. I want it. Like, I always imagined my first ever Bergamasco try would be that. He receives this not great pop off the floor, sort of kicks it on by accident, and then flops on it. That's always what I imagined it would be. Yeah, when I have dreams of myself competing in a World Cup, that's the kind of try I see myself scoring. <laughs> yeah. Just clumsily flopping with big mitts. That's that's pretty much how it would go. And yeah. it's a dream start for Mirko Bergamasco yeah. to this yeah. World Cup. Maybe someone exactly. else does a great charge down, and I happen to be a position. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Somehow, that's the last try of the game. If you go in last try wins, then Italy walks away with an (laughs) unlikely victory. (laughs) And we were surprised to ever. Who would eat real shock at that? A couple if of notes before we get another as well, where they, yeah, but they that, take a man out in the air whilst trying you to take a man out without the ball. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. There was that, it was a bit of a clusterfuck, wasn't it? Like they had yeah. an actual TMO call, like right yeah. into the game to decide if that was going to be a try. It was proper wasn't it like howlett trying to run it out and he got yeah. caught and then they took a kick and it hit the crossbar yeah there was a pass and between the legs back, his loose ball mckellis is like fuck this i'll put it between my legs like okay <laughs> one marini kicks it out of his hands like while he's yeah. front for his legs and then it's yeah weird then, to see then all of the old weird to see all of the all blacks become tom ramos <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, yeah. Demarini then just like hits Sivavatu for no real yeah. reason. Like, why? Uh, well, I say it is for a reason. Like, you I can... mean, he's trying to he's trying to stop him from getting the ball, right? Mm. Yeah, exactly. And like, to be fair, if there was no TMO and that was an amateur game, he'd have gotten away with it. That's, and that, that's a try. That's sure. a try. Absolutely. Um, so I guess fair play to him. But as soon as you see the because re- at first I was like, oh my god, this is the most mental try I've ever seen. And as soon yeah. as you see the replay, you go, no, he obviously takes Sivavatu out of the ball. Yeah. But respect to him for getting away with it on first viewing. Yeah. Takes yeah. some doing that oh. with something that, that is... would have been a mental way to end the game with Italy scoring like two absolutely just bonkers, you couldn't predict it, clumsy as fuck tries. That would have been that would have been fitting. It's almost a pity they didn't give that one, but Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. But in the end, the, the All Blacks come away victorious, seventy six fourteen, and Harry the Dog is satisfied with how the team that he has put one and a half million pounds on has started the tournament. Anything else to add before the game, before we do Dick of the Day and Man of the Match? Did you get the wide shoes plasma? You guys mentioned it in, I think, your last yes. episode. The wide shoes plasma yeah. pop-ups. That like, did come, that that, come, I looked enough. up that website because obviously the website's dead now. Hmm. But have you ever been to the Wayback Machine where you yeah, can look yeah. at old websites? I looked Someone tweeted me about this. Yeah, you try yeah. to sell you plasma TVs like, oh, plasma TVs don't cause burnout on your like screen like they were known to do, and like it was just like a propaganda piece basically for plasma TVs about why did the wow. shit. Wow, yeah. wow, yeah, yeah. That's, that's I did notice bizarre, that came up again. A bizarre way to like get that into your yeah, plasma, yeah. Right? I wonder if that's going to be Check popping it. up throughout the tournament. Yeah, I, assume, I can't I remember the name. How many plasma TVs? Me, set, like a screenshot of this. Sorry, really? say that again. I wonder right. how many plasma TVs I will have bought by the end of the series. <laughs> yeah, probably a few. Yeah, yeah, there's 48 games, and with three in, so far two of them have had that advert. So 
Mm. At least two. Oh, the one of a note yeah. for this. Doug Howlett's third try brought him level with Christian Cullen's the All Blacks That's all-time right. top try scorer. Right. Um, and he breaks it, I think, in the next game he plays. Mm, right. I think he gets a try or two. So, yeah. That All Blacks try scoring record is always one that gets talked about with the wingers because there'll be some winger who's like so close to breaking it or like mm. on track to to break it. We're like, ah, oh, if he plays another 50 tests, he's definitely going to break it. And then he turns 28 and they go, no, yeah. thank you. <laughs> Will <laughs> like, Jordan uh, right now. Yeah. It's <laughs> yeah, Will basically. Jordan at the moment. It was Rico Ioani. Yeah. It was Julian yeah. Savir. Like, yeah. Yeah. Endless supplies. Yeah. The All Blacks are like Leonardo DiCaprio. They don't like them to, <laughs> to get past a certain age, man. They just drop them like a bad habit. <laughs> Will Jordan is currently on 21 tries in 21 games, which means that he's probably got another, what, eight caps left in him, probably? So he can easily score, like, the 30 tries he needs in that time. (laughs) So, should we do Dick of the Day, Man of the Match? Where should we start Absolutely, Dick of the Day? Sure. Start with Dick of the Day. So I've got three names written down. One of them is Jerry Collins for try stealing from uh, the the Lord and Savior <laughs> is Brendan Leonard, but I couldn't possibly give it to him on my first game no. watching him on the pod. But look, I'm sure that if he did get Dick of the Day, he would take it very very well. JC, it would be it would be an accolade that he holds in high esteem. Another <laughs> another one is so Italy bring off the bench Andrea Lechicero, and at one point he pushes in an uncontested scrum, um, <laughs> oh. which has to be in contention, but. For various reasons that I've already stated, I think listeners probably could have guessed, I was always going to give Dick of the Day to Mauro Bergamasco. I had um, already written it down before you started talking. Yeah, yeah. It was obvious from the moment he did that first chip, that that in itself was stupid. Then not tackling McDonald, then not tackling Chris Jack, not tackling Jerry Collins. Like, there was a lot of not tackling that he does in this game. Very interesting player, Mauro Bergamasco. It's a USP. There's loads of flankers that tackle. He wants to be the one that doesn't. <laughs> Mark, who do you have? Yeah, I was I was a little bit torn uh, whether to go for an Italian or I thought like that might be just kind of rubbing a little bit too much salt in the <laughs> wound. I figure maybe to kind of balance things out, I'd better go for an All Black. And I mentioned kind of earlier, he's an All Black who was never one of my, my personal favorites, although he mm. does have incredibly impressive like, thigh muscles. He's got some freaking great legs. And that's Luke McAllister, man, because oh. like, he was doing so well. And I was questioning my own self as if to say, why did I not like Luke McAllister? What was wrong with him? He's doing all right. And then he just has two moments at the end of the game that he just sheds the bed. And I'm like, okay, yeah, that, that brings back the memories, Luke. And um, I mean, to be honest, my dad doesn't like his dad. So I feel like kind of obliged really? to continue. Yeah, he just thinks he's a bit of a dick. My dad like, go, would go to a lot of like club rugby games and he was a coach. Right. Uh, around New Zealand rugby so I mean my dad can be a bit of a chatterbox I can understand why someone wouldn't want to chat with my dad sometimes if you're busy coaching a rugby team but the fact that my dad has a bit of a grudge against his dad I will continue this father-son tradition and (laughs) pass my grudge onto Luke McAllister he's my dick of the day do your kids now have to start beef with Luke McAllister basically if Luke McAllister has children I will need to imbibe this into my my own children it's a multi-generational rift we're going to eventually end up with some like Romeo and Juliet situation (laughs) where two of them run off together no you're running away with Luke McAllister's son you yeah that could be what we're eventually going to have to do is when they're old enough we'll get your children on this podcast and we'll cover one of the world cups that Kayla McAllister played in Okay. Um, nice. Just so they can give her a dick of the day. <laughs> nice. Okay. We'll lock it in. We'll get there. 
All right. And look, we had a, I had a very proud record of never having seen Mauro Bergamasco score a try. And he took that away from me. So, Mirko Bergamasco. So, for me, I'm going with the other Bergamasco brother. My dick of the day is Mirko Bergamasco for scoring. <laughs> That's a good selection. That's, good That's selection. fair. Man of the match. I mean, so, for me, I said it earlier, like, Richie McCaw has to be mentioned. He's unbelievable, scores two tries in the first five minutes, and then makes such a difference. It's the number of turnovers and pressure he's putting on, and, like, Italy's ball is so slow consistently. And a lot I think of he did him. concede one penalty, um, if we were looking for, like, oh, kind of a negative to say about it. I think he did well, get pinged once at the breakdown, so... That means yeah, it's impossible that, to... That cloak of invisibility yeah. was, like, must have had a wee hole in it just this once. But I think Dan Carter is perfect for the hour he plays. I think he's unbelievable. And he is, therefore with some stiff competition from the sheer amount of players that play well in this game on the all-pack side and, you know, Perugini for Italy as well, besides yellow card. Dan Carter, for me, man of the match. The thing is, right, so you've mentioned McCaw and Carter as kind of your top two. Mm, I'm exactly the same. Like, I'm Mm. so ready for this World Cup to just be another Carter-McCaw wank fest. It's boring, isn't it, picking the two most famous players? But, come on, they're there for a reason. Oh, it's so hard to choose between those two because those were, for me, undoubtedly the two best players on the field. Mm. As you say, Carter, his kicking game was unbelievable. Like, he always punished it. There wasn't a way to win against him Mm. because Mm. he would always find space wherever you left it, which was crucial to the way that the All Blacks absolutely decimated Italy. I feel like to split the difference, I'm going to give it to McCaw because he was absolutely everywhere. He set up a bunch of the tries, not just the ones he scored. And you're right, like he was turning everything over. Italy just could not get on the front foot because of McCaw. So just to split the difference, I'm going to give it to McCaw. But those two are pretty inseparable for me. Hmm. I had a look. I also had like McCaw as my first name down. And then I was trying to find the match stats of this game. I was looking at like Wikipedia, ESPN, hmm. all these few different websites. And I saw Richie McCaw was the actual man of the match on right. the day. And I was like, oh, fuck, I don't really want to give it to the same guy <laughs> who the people, like who the broadcasters picked at the time. But yeah, it's it's really hard not to like, he was just doing Richie McCaw stuff, wasn't he? And if, like you say, if you're not going McCaw, you're, you're pretty much obliged to go Carter just with the way he was controlling the game it was just vintage vintage Carter, wasn't it yeah like, yeah, yeah both of them at their absolute peak in this game yeah, which made it basically. a sheer joy to watch how, how did these guys not win a world cup in 2007 with the way they were playing unbelievable do you look at how badly the france team played against argentina and look yeah. at this how does that go on to happen yeah exactly. it's gonna be a really interesting plot line for the rest of this tournament isn't it so you're going mccall are you mark yeah, I will go with McCaw. Yeah, it's 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 one that you can you can pick either. But he he was genuinely the first guy I wrote down before I found out that um, mm. he actually got the fucking award. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, likewise, likewise. Yeah. He he looked very sweaty even before kickoff. Richie was like mm. covered in mm. sweat. Like it was an interesting one. I don't know if he was just hyped up, been through a big warm up. It was just bloody hot. I don't know, but yeah. he was very sweaty. He was up for it even before kickoff. It was a really hot day and like amazing stadium as well, like really open, yeah. like the sun really beating down on you. So I can imagine it yeah. would be a really hot. But That's yeah. Right. Yeah. You... That friend, the Italian jersey, that looked like what? If you designed a jersey that like looked like a ribbed condom, like that's exactly <laughs> what that Italian jersey looked like. That was the fucking weirdest thing I've seen. I wish I had that jersey. Like that's just very unique. Like the All Blacks one was mint. It was really sweet. Yeah, yeah. It was just like simple like classic kind of all black jersey and the Italians who I've got a couple of Italian jerseys and I can mm. tell you if the Italians 
like played rugby as well as they make rugby jerseys, they would be one of the top teams in the world because their team's <laughs> jerseys are always fucking nice. But mm. um, that jersey was something weird. It's <laughs> weird, isn't it? Plastic it's... strips on the mm. chest? Like, I yeah, I'm not know. sure about that. It's like those strips yeah. you get around a cake you buy in a supermarket, but yeah, blue it's... in a jersey. Yeah, I didn't I didn't really get it. Like, Italian jerseys, if nothing else, have come a long way. Maybe the Italian rugby has dipped a bit after this team, which you guys said was, was mm. in a really good place going into this World Cup, but their jerseys... They're the most important thing, obviously, is the jersey. Absolutely. Of course. Of course. The reason no why we get you there is for jersey analysis. Yeah. yeah. If exactly. Exactly. People want to see you and your variety of rugby jerseys. Where can people find you? Where can we find the podcast you do as well? Please tell plug, plug, plug. Ah, just two cents rugby, man. Chuck it in. YouTube is is the main one. I'll pretty much do a YouTube video every single day. Not every day, but most days still. Yeah. Me talking about something. I would never tell someone to like hit the bell on my videos. No. There's there's no market for anybody who needs that much rugby. So um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you if you yeah, there'll be something there for somebody if you're interested in rugby. So um, yeah. yeah, that's the main one. And you work hard, man. You cover everything. For sure. You, for you sure. Watch so like I thought I watch a lot of rugby, but you are on it constantly. Every game that ever happens. The depth yeah. of like rugby analysis that you have, like, is insane, man. Like I, I love it. I'm I'm really glad that you've come on here. So I just I can't thank you enough. It's it's about time we had the insight of yourself. Come on. Um, and uh, and blast into a different era and watch more rugby. So yeah, no, really appreciate it's just, it. Just Love what I stuff. need. My my wife was thrilled when I said that a couple of guys from the UK have asked me to watch some more rugby and talk about <laughs> it with them. She was absolutely over the moon. But no, I uh, genuinely appreciate the uh, the invite, guys. It's definitely no. been a pleasure. It's our no. pleasure, our pleasure for sure. As I say, love your stuff. It's brilliant. Keep at it. Yeah, please, please do. I look forward to more as you go on, as we all go on, as we all walk this youtube landmine it's not a landmine <laughs> thank you to everyone that's listened as well please join us next week when the game will be england against the usa in what is sure to be a classic <laughs> Ooh. thank you very much for listening thank you will as ever thank, thank you. you mark for coming on you've been absolutely wonderful yeah great that's, guest thank you that's been great Cheers, we'll see everyone next week planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with quince quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway like european linen premium luggage options buttery soft italian leather bags and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands plus quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.